Hey guys, this is Stag and Pennies. I am Corey LaJoy. Big weekend at a Darlington race. So I danced with the lady in black and she got the better of me. But she did not get the better of Mr. Joey Logano. A little dance between him and William Byron ended in a little bit of a pandemonium, if you will. We're going to break down some pit stops, see who's leading that impact score as well as we're going to be interviewing our big winner, Smoking Joe, Next Gen Joseph Logano himself will be joining us right here on Stacking Pennies. And then we're going to prelude a little Kansas stuff. So stick around. This is Stacking Pennies. <laughs> Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. Fresh off Darlington Raceway. I'm still picking some rubber out of my teeth because uh, we will dive into my, I don't know, six-inch worth of mistake. I don't know. I'm waiting for Merriman to really knock that out of the park. <laughs> uh, sure I've made two of those six-inch mistakes here. Uh, Any time now, the second one will appear. Uh, but, yes, <laughs> I am. Uh, uh, you're generous. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I am uh, the driver of the seven, uh, Chevy Camaro, joined by alongside my now famous podcast co-host, Chuck Bush. Famous with the, mu- with the mustache famous? Yeah. Signing some autographs out at uh, Trackside Live. Signed a lot of autographs. Yeah. People love the bush, as well as Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. Yeah, I felt super awkward doing that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you looked awkward. I mean, it was like, do you, why do you want me to sign your hat? Like, I don't do anything. You're on the show, and you have bad takes. Somebody's got to wear Somebody's yeah. got to weigh us down. And also, um, front tire changer for the 12 fat, of Ryan Blaney. Is that a bad joke? <laughs> yeah. Let's not gloss over that. Can you say that again? Front tire changer of the number 12 for Ryan Blaney. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure Bob Pocker has already dropped the big <laughs> news, but my friend Ryan Flores got plucked off of the Daytona 500 winning driver, Austin Sendrick, and uh, they said we we got to get our last guy within camp in victory lane, so they plugged you on the 12 car this week. I don't know if, if that was exactly why they did it, but yeah. Why don't they just let you drive the thing, man, if you're that good? Uh, we'll give it, we want to give all these other guys a chance. Okay, That's right. <clears throat> We're going to dig into that here in Pit Road Boats and Woes. In a second, but let's just not bury the lead here, guys. Was it called for or uncalled for, Mr. Joe Lagun? I got a hot take. Let's. Just, I don't even want to debate. Was it clean? Was it not clean? This, that, and the other. Because here's the thing: if you haven't had that helmet on and evaluated the circumstances yourself, then you'll never really know. So who's it up to us to judge whether that was right or wrong? Right or wrong, not Joe Logano found himself in victory lane. We're going to talk to him a little bit here later in the show. But I got the hot take, the hottest of takes, Merriman. Judge how this take is. Joey Logano is the modern age Dale Earnhardt Sr. <laughs> you are begging for people just to knock down your door. You're not the first person that said that. Uh, see, I don't. Why not? Because I think Kyle Busch is, and that's probably going to generate no, more. No, absolutely not. He's not tough enough. Well, are you kidding me? Dale Earnhardt ain't leaving his car in the middle of pit road. He's driving that thing back, fixing it himself, and then going to win the race afterwards. Yeah, he flipped his car and went and finished the race. This guy just hit his left front a little bit and he couldn't even get her back to the truck. I ripped my entire right sides off and I figured I had to manage mine to the back of the hauler. Yeah. Talk to me about driver ability. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think your take is, is that far off, honestly. The fact that Joey Logano has zero remorse behind the wheel of a race car, which is how I think everybody should be. I think Chastain's similar, but you know, Joey don't care. He's been there, he's done that, he knows the repercussions of of what his actions could be, and the fact that he goes out there and says, "Man, eh, hell with it, I can win at Darlington," 
puts a bumper to the 24 and does what he has to do, I'm all for it. Is that the luxury of having a championship under your belt that you like in, in his defense, like what else? I mean, yes, there's a lot that he can still have to prove, but at the end of the day, he's got a championship. So by all accounts, he's probably a hall of fame candidate. I don't think probably he cares be, about that. But I'm, what does. I'm saying is like, if you yeah. take some of that, I think he does. I, he cares about that. I we're going to ask him later in the show. I don't think he cares about it in the moment at Darlington. I think he cares about winning the race. When he's going on the backstretch, he's not he's like, wondering oh, why, if he's a first I, or second ballot hall of famer. But I do think after, like, you know, during throughout his day, he wants to oh, hold sure. himself accountable for enough sure. to be a Hall of Famer. Well, but that's got to change your mindset. Like, yes, when he's behind the wheel steering the car in the race, that's not going through his head. What's going through his head is checkered flag. I'm going to go for that. But what I'm saying is that he's not trying. He's not trying to get his first win. He's not trying to like establish himself as a career driver. He has nothing else to prove to anybody. He could go to pretty much any team and say, "Hey, I'd like to drive your car," and they'll probably take him. I, I also and, think. He is probably, in my opinion, and I think Joe is a nice guy with no helmet on. Was at the racetrack in a fire suit and a helmet? Like you got to be killer. Completely, he is abs. He's a murderer, and yeah. that's why people don't like him because they don't they can't separate his the different. But he Joey does Logano. it. He does it better than anybody else. If you catch him in the studio, or you catch yeah. him on the street. It's like, hey, Joey, nicest guy in the world. A one. Yeah, dude, Would literally give you shirt off his back. Yeah, for sure, and let you drive his razors and ride in his boat. I've listened to a lot of people talk about this the last two days. Now he's my he is my landlord at the powder coat shop, so I don't want to be too biased, too biased here. Rent's going up. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be too biased, but it, it goes for the same thing at short track races now, where you can choose. Right? He was the leader. His team earned the lead on pit road. He was the leader. When you are the leader and you choose the top, you trust that the guy in the bottom is going to race you off a of two, and you're going to get the run and carry the momentum in the three. Yeah. When you feel like like say what you want. Like I heard people, well, it gets tight off a of two. Well, lift. He drove him in the fence. Yeah, and that's how he got the lead. And when you drive somebody in the fence with these cars, it's a death wish because there's toe links that can get bent on um, both the front and rear. You bend the wheels, you get flats. So when he got back to Byron, talking to Coleman Presley and talking to Joey, you know they kind of knew that Byron hit a wall at lap twenty three, twenty four. That's when his car fell off. So he saved for the beginning part of that run, and then he made the run at him. And Coleman said, like, look, when I look at SMT. You lay them over each other. They pretty much lifted at the same spots they were. The, the 24 was really backing the corner up, and the 22 was really driving in there pretty deep. And, you know, Joey's like, I was kind of hit him, but I didn't mean it. Like, he's, I said, you didn't mean to hit him that hard. Well, I, I said, you, there's no way you meant to hit him that hard. And no. he's like, nah, you know, it caught but me by surprise. had he not hit him that hard, then they might have been side by side, or the 24 swipes at his right rear quarter panel. Dude, he, did. he tried he it. Got he tried it. If you go back and look at the end car. For sure, you can that's see, what he was trying to do. It's like 12 inches difference. Byron yeah. just didn't have the wheel in it enough, or yeah. he didn't have the bite. But, but he tried to turn him. Dude, I, there's, so, there's so many things, and I'll take it down this path. My unfortunate seat for the rest of the race was on in my truck. I left Ryan there. He found a way home. That You guys can go watch it in Sights and Sounds. It'll be putting where, – where's that footage going to be put up? Uh, it'll be on NASCAR's YouTube page. So they followed us on the way in. Ryan and I BS a little bit. We called Ryan Sparks up, talk about the strategy leading into the day. And then I left him high and dry at the end to find his own way home because I was sulking and embarrassed and pissed off. But nonetheless, I had the NASCAR app up. Don't, kids, do as I say, not as I do. I was driving, watching Joey's in-car camera. And when Joey was During leading, the race? During, during the race. you hit the wall? Nah, no. <laughs> On the way home, my dashes, man, they're they're great. You can watch the other in cars. It's great. So, like the entire 
end of that race was a product of all the adjustments Joey made throughout the course of the race. Beginning of the race, when Joey was leading the 18, was second, he was catching him down the backstretch because the 18 would open his turn one up and you can roll more speed, more throttle through the rubber and get way more of an advantage on the backstretch. And Coleman, to Ryan's point, is always giving Joey information, headlight lower, making ground on the backstretch, opening his corners up. All these little nuggets of information that Coleman's feeding Joey, they stay in the bank, right? So as Joey's pacing and saving his tires after he gets poked in the fence, he knows Williams' car goes away about lap 23, 24. So I'm watching the in-car camera, and I'm like, you know what's coming from a mile away. He goes from 15 back to 10 back, like three or four to go. Now he's like three back. Well, he, he gets to him about two car lengths back into one, and he opens his turn one up a little bit more than he had been all day to get some clean air on it. And monsters to turn two. And then he that's what sets him up to get on Willie B's bumper into three. And then it even goes all the way back to Martinsville when Joey said he wished he'd hit him harder. Because now with these next-gen cars, they have more tire on the ground. If you hit somebody straight up, like in the back bumper, you just push them forward. Like you don't get the guys out of shape like you're used to because the the nose and the tail line up more direct with these cars. You can't quite pick them up and move them out of the way. So I think between the combination of Joey learning that at Martinsville with the adjustments he made throughout the race at Darlington makes for like – that is like for me like a chef's kiss moment of – applying everything you learn over the course of a couple of weeks and then also punching your ticket into the playoffs. So I'm a bit biased as well. Joey's been a friend of mine for a long time, but I really, there there's, I don't discredit or fault anybody nowadays for going for a win, no matter what the cost and what the move to your point earlier about, is he the modern day Dale Earnhardt? Is he Chuck? Well, just looking at a couple of things. So Joey Logano won his first championship when he was 28 years old. Dale Earnhardt won his first championship when he was 29 years old. So age-wise and championship and stats-wise, they're kind of in that same bracket. So could he be? Is there potential for it? Yeah. Has the game changed since then? And, like, there's younger guys that are fighting for championships more and more. Like, could he get seven age-wise? Potentially. I think it's harder to win a championship now. No. That being said... No, <laughs> there, there'll never be another seven-time oh, champion. Yeah. Never, never say never. Yeah. Never, I would say I, in this format, never. No, there's snowball's chance in hell of that. Happens. What you, what you can't forget, you have to look at, like you can't look at just Darlington, right? Look at Dover. Look at the fact that Joey Logano hasn't won a points-paying race since the dirt race of Bristol last year, right? You look at Dover; they ran twenty-seventh to thirtieth all day, racing their asses off, mm. right? So when you get a chance, especially as strong as the Chevys have been week in, week out. When you have a chance to win and punch your ticket and get those bonus points and set you up for the rest of the year and not only get bonus money and everything for your team, you gotta you have to do it. So instead of messing around with Will Byron, who he felt like put him in the fence and was going to do what he had to do win, he just got rid of him. And that's like the old Northeast, you know, J- Joey got his throwback Connecticut paint scheme watching Teddy Christopher. Like, you're not going to race those guys. You're going to get rid of them. And you're not going to give him – if you're going to do that, you're not going to give him a chance to get back to you. But does Byron now owe Logano? Everybody's really fixating on William Byron's post-race comments. You've got to take into context how pissed off he is. Oh, for and sure. how soon they those radio cam- – those boom mics and those TV cameras are on him, right? Because that's their job to get that quick. raw emotion. Yeah. yeah. He, My man was seeing red 
super pissed off. He's talking to Jeff Gordon, right? They're talking about but was every, it, everything was his, you would say. Was his irritation justified? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, for sure in the moment, right? But, like, I, I found it interesting comparing Tyler Reddick's reaction post-Bristol getting wrecked for the lead, costing yourself a win, and William Byron's – because I feel like it's a very similar situation. Is it's, there a right reaction, though? Like, is yeah, there – like is so. There no because no. you can't have there's not a generic model for your how you're going to react to something being pissed off how Ryan's going to act and how I'm going to react right because that's the element why people tune in and pull for different well, who guys. Who do you want racing for you? A guy that's passive and doesn't care that doesn't have a cup win or a dude that's got four and two this year and possibly is a favorite in the final four. I don't think Tyler Reddick's passive and doesn't care. I just think in that moment with what happened, like he knew, like that's going to happen. I don't think that that was a sign that he doesn't care about winning. I think he gives a personally. Well, I think everybody deals with it a little bit different, yeah. right? Because Tyler looked at that incident like I shouldn't even let him get to me. Like I, if I would have just hit my marks and drove away and figured out how to shift or run the top like I was supposed to, then Chase wouldn't have had the opportunity to get to me. Same thing. Like you could say the same thing to William. Well, hey, he wouldn't have gotten the back of you if you just would have ran a little faster. But – or saved your tires a little bit more. Or saved your tire, right. right? Like there was, there they, was more. He took pacing. a big gap. There was, there was way more pacing and tire conservation than I ever would have imagined there this weekend at Dover or, or Darlington. I don't know if it was the fact that now that there's 25 percent more rubber on the ground with these cars and the front end grip that you have is so much more capable that you're able to to burn it up in the back end. But tire conservation with this weekend was huge, dude. I, you had to pace quite a bit, and if if it didn't tickle your fancy of what a, a Darlington race is, then I don't know. Maybe you should watch something else. I thought that race was perfect. Yeah, yes. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. There was comers, goers, big wrecks, three wide racing, sweet paint schemes, three sweet paint schemes. Um, now I will say, obviously, I wanted ours to win paint scheme of the race, but William Byron's looked pretty good Dude, up in person. Yeah. It was solid. It had the it 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 had the little bit of the uh, metallic uh, glisten to it. I, I'll ask this too, with uh, Joey being the new intimidator and all, is is William the new uh, wonder kid, wonderkind, new Jeff wonder Gordon, boy? wonder boy? Why not? He fits the mold. He's super nice, like clean yeah. cut. He's not a dirty driver. He, he fits the mold for sure. Seeing how he's going to react to being bullied is, and I mean. Having Jeff right there after you get out of the car to, you know, give you a little bit of advice. Uh, I mean, now Jeff has one of the best responses after. Dip is <laughs> great. <laughs> he he called Keselowski a dip at Texas. Texas, yeah. 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 That was one of the greatest responses. Dip Dip That's, That's a fine. good one you're really going to pull out. Like he was probably just talking to yeah. somebody and probably somebody mentioned it offhanded as a dip Which like, is, That's a good one. No, you probably Joey wanted- Logano has the best one post-race. Fire suit. She wears the fire suit in the family. Oh, uh, yeah. That was, but he'll yeah, even say that he he regrets saying that. <laughs> but it was funny. It's good. That, dude, isn't some of the best memories the stuff that you wish yeah. <laughs> that person would have yeah. regretted saying it for sure? <laughs> so, like, I guess back to William B.'s post-race comment. Let's not break down too much what he said, calling him more on this, that, and the other thing. Because, it's, dude, you are doing an incredibly pressure-filled job. And what you thought you could taste the win in Darlington – uh, was what you felt like was taken away. I'm just interested to know how that's going to transpire the rest of the year because that 22 team is going to be racing alongside the 24 team. And we're going to get in with, into it with Joey because he has an interesting way of explaining, you know, like the etiquette or code because I don't think the, the retaliation guys 
isn't going to come in like one distinct moment where William moves Joey necessarily for the win. Maybe this weekend it might happen. Who knows? But it comes in like little tit-for-tat things that unless you're really paying attention, you'll never know just from him making his day hard. So we're going to get into that with Joey later. But was there anything else? Well, you can talk about the Xfinity race as well. Talking you know, about the Xfinity race. race was good. I didn't. The truck At least race one was... seven car was, you know, <laughs> competitive this weekend. Justin Algar getting the job done as well as Josh Berry strong run sped right. Or no, he had a restart violation. They lined up on the front row and the eight car jumped it a little bit and they Posted. pulled it from. Hey, our buddy Sam Hunt. He had a car that was in contention late race caution. They lost a couple spots on pit road. And if you noticed, even though that there was kind of some cars that stayed on old tires. The way they came off pit road to top four, that's how they finished. In the Xfinity race. In the Xfinity race. Yeah, there's race. a lot of comers and goers. Guys stayed out. But, yeah, John Hunter Nemechek giving Sam Hunt's number 26 car. Guest of our show a couple weeks ago. The best ride of their – I mean, I think they finished second, third. No, fourth. They finished they fourth, second. but they had a chance, if it went green, to win the race. So, what he's built there, definitely wanted to mention that. And the yeah. truck race, John Hunter Nemechek was really fast. Uh, yeah, he smoked. He out, he qualified in the pole by, like, almost a half second. So, he was on it in that KBM four truck faux show what's that guy's future look like good question because obviously he's in the toyota pipeline but i mean if you're Stuart haas looking to fill the 10 why wouldn't you give that guy a look right i mean my man's hot another guy's name comes i don't want to burn up all of our content for spare change we're going to release here later in the week but obviously eric jones is one that's uh is running really good right now without a, a deal that's done so a lot of different stuff moving shaking guys that their stock is hot right now, unlike Bitcoin. And unlike my weekend, let's talk about a little bit because everything leading up to the event, Chuck, was really good. Oh, yeah. Well, I spun out in practice. That was the first time I spun out by myself in like four years. Our stuff uh, was a little bit loose, tough to handle all week. We, we couldn't really get a handle on it. But we do our trackside live. We do some GoPros in the truck on the way down there. Had some fun. Really gave you all an inside peek into what a normal race day looks like for us. But... We did Sack and Penny's on location. What did you think about it? Did you get some good feedback on that, Chuck? Yeah, I got good feedback. And I'll tell you one thing that we missed. We what? missed Ryan Flores. Hey, man, I was in the coal mine just digging. It's, it was. It, it's one of those things when you got a car, you, you need four tires on the car, and we were rolling with three. So, you know, you're our fourth tire. Oh. <laughs> well, four weeks off for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we uh, we had Tyrone Dillon on the show. He was pretty good talking about some old RC stories as well as Jeff Burton. Uh, I thought that one – I had a lot of fun with yeah. that. So Jeff has a, a great way of just telling some old stories. Obviously, he has a couple good ones at Darlington as well. But the fans were pumped up. Dude, yeah. there was a sea of people out yeah, there. They were good. We might have like 15 listeners next week if they wanted to tune in. Everybody was there. And there was a decent amount of seven gear in the crowd, like waiting to see you come out. I mean, and several of the uh, the Marty Robbins shirts. I saw Chuck, Chuck and I defaced a few hats. Yeah. Yep. Put Brought your John down Hancock the on yep. some Stack and Penny's hats. So, yeah, there is. it is still weird to me to see people wearing stuff with my name on it, which I love it. It pumps me up. I'm trying to – Run a little better on the track for you so people don't laugh at you when you're wearing a quarter of the joy shirt up in the grandstands. I'm just kidding. We were okay until point of impact. Dude, Darlington's tough, man, because this is the first time that we've really seen in the last five, six years heavy rubber marbles collect on the track, like some old school Ricky Craven, Kurt Busch 03 vibes where the the rubber peels off and collects on, on parts of the track that's not used, particularly that little corner of like the asphalt up there in turn two where nobody really goes when everybody kind of goes to the bottom after that long green run 
we cycle through pit stops and we're going and you're trying to make as much time as possible so you don't get lapped. And there's the three foot groove you see of rubber laid down, right? And you're just running your right sides in that, trying to move it around a little bit. And I'm telling you, it was about 12 inches. I moved up a little bit. I got a little bit tight. I was behind the 20 and it must've picked up some that wrote those marbles and it was like hydroplaning into the fence. So that's just how, man, this is freaking tough, man. You, you put, you put a, a wheel, the wrong spot, 10 inches is the difference between, you know, having a great day or going, going home on the hook. And, um, so that was, I don't like admitting mistakes. I wish there had been some sort of excuse I can use to tell y'all something broke and I stuffed in the fence, but you know what, Chuck, I f***ed up. It's, uh, it's crazy. I'm sorry to step on you here, but Janie's gotten the notes here and I, it's something we should probably talk about cause it's been big for me this week, but like, how do you mentally get past that? It's mental health awareness month. And, and it's know. something that like, no, but like yesterday your dad, you came to the, you were at the powder coat shop and your dad pulled in and like, your dad always gives you a hard time and I could see that you just kind of walked away and into the NBC shoot. Yeah. So I, like I, confidence is hard. Right. And, and even as a tire changer, like this week I get a phone call from my coach on Monday. I have a team that I've been with that, you know, they're my good friends, like let alone the pit stops. Like I'm talking to those guys every day. They're my good friends. And, and you get pulled away from them to be put on a different team and it, and it's tough. And you get on a team that, you know, has not had a great year and you have to build confidence and it's, you know, confidence is only earned. You know, you can't, you can't just can't manufacture it. it. You know, it's, no. it's only earned over time through, through consistency. But like that, that's something that, that you worked on a lot at the beginning of your career. And now that you're in the, you know, in the media career, how do you, how do you get through that? Dude, it's, it's hard because I, and if anybody else figures it out, let me know. I mean, there's a lot of guys that kind of deal with the same thing because really, if you allow yourself, you could be. You know, you look at the little number next to your name at the end of the day, and that's where you know you that's where you think you stack up, right? Like if you stuff it in the fence and you finish thirty fifth, you feel this big, and you drive home by yourself, and you're thinking about all the things you could do different. And you think about the weight of the world is looking at you, and really and truly, they're probably not. But what I struggle with is like letting the guys down that bust their ass throughout the course of the week to make their car the best way that we as a, a, a team know how, um, and then you know you you put a wheel the wrong spot and you end the day like that's the stuff that's hard to get over for me. And I go in the shop and I'll talk to the guys and I'll own it and all the stuff that comes along with it. But the confidence side ebbs and flows, unfortunately weekly, because you know, if you have a great day, like we did at Dover, you're pumped up, you go in there with better expectation to Darlington and you realize real quick, you don't have the speed that you thought you would. And it's easy to get down and it's hard to figure out ways to get up. But is it know. tougher now with the schedule? Like for me, when I have a bad day, I'm like, I want to go to pit practice tonight. Like when the plane lands, I want to go do pit stops. Like I want to get back at it. And for me, it's a little bit easier because, you know, if I have a bad day on Sunday, I go right in Tuesday and I'm back at it. Yeah. But you know, you have, you have to wait till next Saturday to get back in the car. So you're, you're looking at it all week down on yourself and you can't really work on it because you don't, you're not getting sim time or anything and you get, you know, 20, you know, 20 minutes practice and you got to line that thing up to qualify and, and, and go race. So is that a tougher, is it tougher with this schedule than having three practices and a qualifying session? Dude, so much hard because at least like you can get you a PR lap in practice of the old school days and maybe make some changes and get a little bit better over the course of the weekend. But now with the, with the setup, you present that thing, you are married to your shocks, you're married to your springs and the setup it is kind of is what it is. So you don't get a chance to – if you unload and you're a 25th place car, more than likely you're going to stay a 25th place car the course of the weekend. But, 
Yeah, it's freaking hard, man. I, I was trying to like, you know, visualization helps a little bit. We, I don't want to dig too much into that, but that's certainly something, you know, but like for me, it's maintaining expectations, maximizing a day and, and all those expectations, they change weekly, you know, because we saw, look at Joey. Joey went from, to your point, a 25th, 6th, 7th place guy at Dover, sits on the pole and wins the race at Darlington. Um, and, and it's a lot easier to get your confidence up when you unload near a top five car, right? Like that's, yeah. that's instant confidence boost. But when you unload and you're a 20th, 25th place guy and you really got to dig deep to figure out how to maximize the day is when the grind is real. You just got to stack pennies. You got to right? stack pennies. Well, you so, talked about failing fast a couple weeks ago too, which – I thought that yeah. was a super interesting. It's a mindset. it's a easy you know you you have to especially in the middle of a race right like if you're in a Coke 600 and you mess up your fifth stop you got to get over it because there's that thing that thing's coming back down another 20 40 laps so that that's been important and and really the mental health stuff for me and like working with Jeremy Boone at Penske and working through that stuff is just as much as working out like you have to work on it. It's, Bro. Just like you get, just like your race car gets faster, your brain gets sharper. The more you work on it, the more you talk about problems, the more you, you know, just like anything else. Hey, here's a problem. How are we going to fix it? Well, Babe Ruth said it best 90% mental and the other 10%, the other half's in your head. Do you have any like tricks or anything that you can do? Like if you're kind of feeling down on yourself, I know there's like three or four songs. If I'm feeling pretty shitty, I can put those on and kind of instantly I can kind of feather out of it and kind of puts me in a better mood then i start thinking about things a little bit more positively have you found any like tricks or tips like that you can just help shift your focus alcohol <laughs> that i do that not, one too uh, it's not advice that is it's that not sound advice for mental health awareness month no, uh, it's not, but no. i mean everybody has their coping mechanism i've used yeah. alcohol for that type of stuff but i mean like are there any like chuck it, talk to me after the show <laughs> i'm here for you yeah no, but like talking to your kid, like are there little things that you can do that help? Like, all right, I need to go do this to get my mind right. No. For, me, for me, it's like, no, I mean, it's like, I think staying to your routine and preparing the same way, no matter what the outcome is, stuff mm -hmm. that's out of your control is what helps me like at least get back to even, right? Like you, you don't want to stay in the Valley, right? If, if on a Tuesday we're sitting recording, I'm in the Valley because I feel like I let my partners down. I let my team guys down and we had a bad points day. It didn't pay good for me. Like every variable that's measurable, it was a big L this weekend, right? So like I have to figure out by the time we get back on the racetrack on Saturday through my process of looking at SMT, watching previous race film, whether it's iRacing or going to GoPro, getting on a go-kart, like affirming that, all right, you know how to make a machine with an engine go fast relative to other guys right so like getting that confidence back in just your ability is what i is what i do and we can dig into in that with joey as well because you know everybody has their own particular ways of going about it it's it's what you've your upbringing it's what you've driven in the past it's the guys you work with whether it's crew chief or spotter like there's so many variables that mental health stuff that everybody's a little bit different and you got to figure out what works for you so Let's uh let's get him right on right now and talk to him, shall we? Mr. Joey Logano joins the podcast right now. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Without further ado, the man of the hour, the guy that needs no introduction, but the man that has 12 nicknames, Sliced Bread, Next Gen Joe, Smoking Joe on the car this weekend. Uh, Joe Logano joins us here on Stack of Pennies. Smoking Joe, it's back. Well, I mean, you won the first Next Gen race, so Next Gen Joe isn't dead completely, but you were Smoking Joe this weekend because that was an electric finish. Let's just not bury the lead. Let's get right into it. I think fans, because I everybody's been talking about it, right? Every recap show there is, Sirius XM Radio, you do behind the wheel. I'm, I'm sure you were breaking that down as well. But all the callers that I talked to on Tuesday were talking about, like, all these different thoughts going through your head and the veterans versus the kids and Fords versus Chevys. And I'm trying to explain to these people, none of that stuff's going through Joey's head. He just feels like he got stuck in the fence out of two, and he's going to get a win. So over those, like, 15 laps – what were, what were you working through to try to get him one? And then what were you thinking about when you got there? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I kind of said it right after the race and, and, and still holds true to, to this moment is, you know, once you realize how the lead was taken away, right. By getting run up into the wall, um, which is, Hey, it's aggressive racing. That's it's fine. Right. I'm lucky I didn't get any tires cut down. I like to do my car was fine, but the facts that matter is he wouldn't have been in the lead if he didn't put me in the wall. So that's in your mind. Right. And I had 15 laps to stare at the back bumper of the 24 car to get even more pissed off and say, all right, I'm going to get there. And when I get there, I know what I'm going to do because he was willing to do that to take the lead. I'm going to be willing to do the same thing. You hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. That That is the driver code. That is how things work. And so it, it made my decision actually really easy on, on how to do it. Right. So it's a lot more challenging question to figure out how to take the lead of a race and do it in a clean way, because that, that's kind of the way you'd want to do it, right? Is, is, is to try to, how do I pass them without making any contact or at least my contact possible to win the race. But once it was taken away with contact, it's game on. And so, uh, you know, the last five, six laps, I really started catching them pretty quickly. And at that point it was pretty uh, obvious what I was going to do. Obvious enough that he noticed it as well and <laughs> went in pretty low and slow because he knew it was coming. Uh, you know, and at that point, you know, I, I skewed the bump and run and, uh, and, and made sure that we were going to win the race. Um, you know, that, that was kind of the big thing. I, you, you, you were out there, Corey, you know how it is. If, if you, 
getting that weight the wrong way and you get tight, you lose three, four car lengths and coming to the white flag, you can't take that risk because you're not going to make up those three, four car lengths and have a shot to win. So it was a, a pretty simple, easy decision to make. Well, I think some of it is tied to you're in the same position in Martinsville, right? And you got out and you gave William the bumper a little bit, which was probably the same amount of bumper you would give to him last year with the previous car. But this car needs way more force with that, that front bumper to the rear bumper to get the guy in front of you out of shape. So was that going through your mind of like, all right, I didn't hit him hard enough the first time to get a win. I'm definitely not going to be short the second time. No, I, I honestly, we, I thought the racing at Martinsville was completely different, right? Because we raced each other clean back and forth. And the, the bumper there is kind of a little bit more of a normal thing for one. And also too, I didn't go in there and clobber them out of the way, right? That wasn't going to be the thing. Now, like I said, when I got fenced, now it's like, okay, now I'm going to clobber you. Just that's how it's going to work. Uh, and that's, that's how I would expect it. You know, if I'm going to move someone up out of the way, I'm, if they get back to me, you're going to be ready to be moved. Right. It's just, that's uh, the common. So, you know, I, I'm not sure I hit him any harder. It takes a lot less to move someone out of the way when you're going, you know, on a mile and a half, going a hundred something mile an hour. So we, we talked about this, uh, just me and you on the phone call of like re what retaliation looks like, because, a lot of times the retaliation, whether it be when Chase and you got into it at Bristol, like the retaliation doesn't come back in like this big moment where it's tit for tat and William Byron wipes you out or wrecks you for a win the next week at Kansas necessarily. It's like these little tallies of times you race against each other and you have a great way to explain that. Like, so how do you anticipate or how do you race William going forward, knowing that he might have a tally on you, if you will? I mean, in my opinion, we're even at this yeah. point. Move on. Here we go. I wouldn't want to keep going. I can tell you that much. So I think it's probably best uh, interest for both of us to to move on and keep going like, like uh, you know, we're, we're even. Because at this point, before that, we didn't have a history at all. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think from here, you just kind of move on. But, um, you know, to your point, though, Corey, like there's just because you get wrecked or something like that doesn't mean you wreck them back uh, in all scenarios. Right. It's it's. Sometimes you just make their life a living hell until things become equal, right? And and you're right though. Everyone keeps a, a tally uh, of some sort, right? All the drivers remember everything. <laughs> they don't remember the wins all the time, but they remember the losses all the time. And so th those things will, will always stick in your mind, and and how you handle those situations is is key. So we'll shift gears a little bit away from Darlington and almost. I want to I want to bring up the story that everybody's heard once or twice about me and you racing down the stairs at Darlington. You wanted to feel the asphalt. You wanted to touch. It's on YouTube. You can find it if you want the whole story. But I just I think that it's like complete circle that we went from two kids racing down, never even touched set foot at Darlington yet in our careers, and now we're at their racing. I got I got slapped by the lady in black this particular weekend. But man, you. Touched the asphalt and you conquered the lady in black. So what's it feel like getting that first couple in the Darlington? Finally, finally. It's been close for so many times. But, uh, yeah, I don't consider it my first win there. I still consider I kicked your butt down the stairs that day. And I'm taking that as my first ever Darlington win. There's no trophy, but there's a witness there. It was you. You knew it happened. It may have been end over end across the finish line, but I got there first. It hurt. There's blood. There's tears. <laughs> there's victory but there's victory that's right 
So uh, this one didn't hurt as much. It felt good. So I'm, I'm sure that one felt considerably way. better, and it probably paid a bit better too in Coca-Cola chug points, as I noticed the 19 chug point trophies behind you. The undisputed chug point <laughs> champion. Yeah, I always thought that it was like a myth of like, you know, people, guys that are on the Coke deal, labels out. Like, you didn't know that there's an actual competition going on. Apparently, Joe Ligano wins them all because he wins every year at chug points. Well, I mean, I, I love winning um, for one. But, yeah, Coke does a it's – a, it's a great um, – initiative behind it though I, I obviously we love the the taste of coca-cola and everything it, it comes along with it but the, the it's all for charity they call it the chug for charity program um so what you do is as as you do things um to help promote the brand and promote what their their uh, initiatives are and what they're doing uh it turns into dollars to your charity of course of, of choice um so wherever you as a driver uh feel most um you know willing to want to support coca-cola will help support that cause with you so it's a really cool initiative that they have and uh it comes with a big trophy if you do the most you know you get you get a cool trophy and uh so this works out pretty this is michael Foley's office and so a big part of the the chug points a lot of times is not just the driver it's the support behind it make sure everything's all going right and, and doing all the right things. So Folly gets the trophies in, in his office here. I got a, I had a couple more things for you, and I'll let you go. One is we're talking about mental health. It's Mental aware, mental Health Awareness Month being May, uh, and that's kind of where Stack and Pains originated from, which is trying to figure out ways to stay motivated. Now, it's easy to be motivated when you're the guy holding the trophy from last Sunday at Darlington, right? But if you rewind and you went through some tough times when you came in as a rookie driving that 20 Home Depot car, you kind of went through a time, do I do I drive an extended a bush car? Do I go? And hey, the, the way kind of led you to the 22, right? And next thing you know, you're a Cup Series champion and a future Hall of Famer. So how do you now, I guess, just feel, like find the confidence when you're not running well, you feel like you're not getting as much as you get, maybe you question your abilities, uh, you know, so like, how do you, how do you deal with mental health, that mental health aspect? Yeah, I mean, I, the mental game in sports is, is the most important part of it, right? I mean, it, a lot of us at this level can go fast, right? Like, but Corey and my car is going to go just as fast as me, right? Like, it, we're all similar drivers and talent level. When you get to the cup level, everybody's really, really good. So how do you separate yourself and become better than the next guy, right? You have to figure out what makes you tick. What's, what is the... The thing that that sets you apart, what uh, makes you, um, you know, that brings that little competitive fire in there. Um, and at this point in my career, it's probably a little bit easier because I have some. What's up, Levi? <laughs> but I say that at this point in my career, I have a little bit of history behind me, right? To where I say, hey, I know how to win races. I've won races before. I won a championship. I know what I'm doing. But it doesn't mean I still don't go in a slump and I still question myself, um, right? It's just it's. I feel like that stuff's just natural to a certain extent, um, right? I've just snapped a 40 race winless streak, uh, right? And that's, that's tough, right? I mean, used to winning and, you know, you're in a car that should be winning and, you know, you, you have to not only keep yourself motivated, but you have to keep your team motivated and keep everybody fired up in the right direction. So, um, you know, that it's, it's a challenge, but I think the biggest thing for me is just understanding, you know, what makes you tick. And it's different for everyone. So for me to give advice on this, it's kind of challenging because you have to learn yourself and your situation and what your goal is for that day and 
six months from now and two years from now and five years from now uh, and, and what does success look like? Well, that changes for everybody too. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next thing. It's like, if you said that you didn't think about where your collective career ends up at the end of it, I think anybody, any race car driver, any crew chief would be lying to you, right? Because everybody wants to stack up and what feels like is one of the greatest at their particular job. So how often do you find yourself comparing to guys that, in your particular age and stage of your career to guys that are current Hall of Famers, guys that you're comparing yourself to, to active drivers at the moment, how much Hall of Fame thoughts go through your head right now? A fair amount. <laughs> um, because it, I, I think that all-time win list is something that that I like to look at um, and see where you stack up, right? So now I think I'm 29th after uh, I'm tied uh, for 20th Rex White and Carl Edwards. And, you know, that's obviously a pretty cool group to be a part of right there, right? Both the uh, amazing race car drivers, uh, Rex being a champion as well. So um, special to be a, a part of, of that group. But, you know, you also look at, okay, what's ahead of me? You know, where, where's the next one? How can I you know, move up this chart more? You know, that, that's something that, that I look at. But you bring up Hall of Famer. And I guess that's where I get sometimes a little conflicted on, on what is considered a Hall of Famer, right? Like, at what point in your career are you a hall of famer because you've won races or because you've promoted and progressed your sport into a better place than it was when you got there to me that's a hall of famer right like like when we won the championship in 2018 i got to sit on the board of everybody i don't know there's 50 people or so that go there and say this person should be on the ballot this person should should be in because of this and this and this and everyone had different reasons for what a Hall of Famer was. And I guess trying to understand the definition of that was one of the biggest things for me while I was there. And I enjoyed that. But uh, I think everyone has a different definition of what Hall of Famer is. But to me, I think it's somebody that moves the sport forward, even post their career, right? Like, it's easy for us now because we're kind of in the take mode, right? We're, we're racing, we're in the sport, we're doing everything, we're trying to win all this this these races and the stats and rack all this stuff up. But if you're not in that process doing that, but also looking at the next generation and saying, how do we make this even better? Because if it wasn't for people thinking that way, me and you, Corey, we're not sitting here. We don't have a cool sport to race in, right? We're, we're doing something different. Uh, so I think keeping that in the forefront of your mind, to me, makes a Hall of Famer. We had a debate earlier in the show, and you don't, you don't have to make an elaborated answer, but the the hypothetical or the hot take was this, and I brought it up. Joey Logano is the new age Dale Earnhardt intimidator status. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. You know, I, I, I think that the number one thing is just be you. Be who you are, right, and, and embrace it, right? Like, Corey, you do it better than anybody, right? I'm just, that's Corey, right? Like, that's, you're the same person you were when we grew up together. Nothing's changed. Whatever the heck goes into your mind comes straight out of your mouth, right? We just know that's the LaJoy way of doing it. Yep. And this is this is me. Like this, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to joke around, but I'm going to be a fierce competitor. And that's that's who I am. And I, I can flip the switch. Right? I can turn it on and off when I need to. And I think that's a good thing, right? I like that. I think it's hard for people to understand sometimes, but that's me. So um, you can compare me to whoever you want. I, I think that's okay and kind of cool right if you're going to get compared to someone that would be the one right but i think the number one thing is just being the best joey logano you can be 
Well, and you've been consistently Joe Logano, smoking Joe, next gen Joe, sliced bread, all of them combined into one, getting the first win of the year. One last thing, and and uh, I'll let you go. I'm keeping you along because it's been a fun conversation. Absolutely. Last year's question was if you had to pick one car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? I forgot what your answer was. But this year's question is what is the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? Ooh. Um, can I tell an embarrassing story that was at the race shop, but it involved the race car? Yeah. This is this is number one most embarrassing story of my life. Um, so I'm 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old. And at the time I was running uh, the pro cup series and we had pit stops. And so Roush was uh, kind of had like a development pit crew. And so we had a little deal with them that was working pretty good that they were helped develop some of their people on our pit crew. So we'd go down to the race shop and practice. And so I thought it was cool. I'm 15 years old. I'm driving a cup car for pit practice. It's cool. And uh, so they had a brand new one, pretty, had all the, color changing, you know, uh, paint on it. It is nice. So you never see a brand new pit car these days. This thing was pretty. And so they let us use it. And so I backed up, got going into the pit stall, pushing the clutch, I put it in neutral and my foot gets wedged behind the brake pedal and on top of the clutch. And I'm like, uh Oh, and I can't get my foot out of there. <laughs> I, I, I'm stuck, right? My foot's stuck. Like, oh no. So it's straight through the pit stall. And then there's a, <laughs> There's a row of tires and then there's the fence and I straight through the tires, right through them, right into the fence. And it had the, like the electric fence there, right? The, the motorized fence. I <laughs> destroyed the fence, knocked the radiator out of this car. And then, so it's embarrassing enough, but the most embarrassing part is now you got to push the car back into the garage where everybody's working on their race cars for the weekend. And here's Joey pushing this thing saying, oh my God my racing career is over before it even started. It's, it is bad. Um, so yes, good luck topping that embarrassing story. That was, that was bad. <laughs> and, and everybody knows the story. He shortly thereafter started driving for Joe Gibbs after that. To <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Dude, great, great stuff. Have a great week. Thanks for jumping on here. Stacking pennies. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for having me, man. See ya. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There you have it. Always good talking to my good buddy, old Smoking Joe, with the old school Logano racing hat this past weekend. That was pretty cool to see. Dig, dig that one out of the archives. But big moves, guys, on pit road with one of our near and dear co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Flores. Big week. Uh, when did you get the news that you were uh, being exchanged? When I got home from the on my way home from the Columbia Zoo yesterday, sitting in seventy seven traffic. Does Roger call you? Uh no, Roger didn't call me this time. Actually, Roger's, you never, text? Roger's never called me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, he, at least he didn't ask you to make you a coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does he? Does he? I, you know, his... I told, I told, I was, saw um, Tim Sendrick this week. He was there, he, uh, and he doesn't come much because of the IndyCar stuff. And I told him that story, and he was laughing. We had a good laugh over that. But yeah, got the phone. Why call. Are you, why are you dodging the question? Yeah. Got a phone call from uh, the old coach Ray yesterday. Hey man, I said uh, this has got a tone like I'm getting fired. Yeah. He said, yeah, you got fired off the two. You're rehiring on the 12th. Now, said, okay. how often are those, are those moves made? Because we talked about that yesterday, just you and I on the phone. Like, Gibbs, they shuffle guys weekly. Well, they, they play change. musical They play musical fire suits, yeah. So That's what they're doing over there. That's what I like to call You've been together it. with that two team. It was it was on the 12th, right? And they moved you to the two. Yeah, I've been, you know, with if, if you look at our core team, like Bullens uh, and our road crew, and, and we've, we've swapped out, you know, Jackman Carrier, but me and Lackey, and uh, we swapped out Rear Changer. But as a group, I've been on that group for almost six, seven years, which is hard to do in, uh, you know, in, in cup racing. And even when it was Blaney's team before, and they switched us all to the two car. So I've been, I've been with with Ryan, and um, I've worked with all the guys that are on this car before. Um, won a lot of races with Chris Conklin. He was, he's, he's got like 50 Xfinity wins. The Jackman, he's a gas man now. Graham Stoddard. He was a Nebraska linebacker and um, the, these guys are all guys that like I'm friends with, but it's always weird. And we're not at Penske. They're, they're pretty good about making moves. They, they don't, um, they, they give people a lot more rope than, uh, than a lot of other places do. But yeah, we did see, you know, uh, the front changer get swapped out on the 22 two weeks ago and, and they brought a spark to their team and, you know, they were top five team on pit road this right this week won the race off pit road and, and eventually won the race so sometimes this stuff is warranted so today was the first day you practice with that new team yeah how long does it take to get clicking with those guys yeah you just gotta like it's, it's different like i've been with jesse my front changer on and off for a long time or my front carrier on and off for a long time and and pat it's another jersey guy we've worked a lot and put in a lot of work especially with this new car through the off season but it was pretty seamless with graham and and uh, my new carrier, Trevor Apsey, uh, we have some stuff to work on on the left front, but you work through it, but you don't have a lot of time to figure it out because you have to be right for Sunday. Now, you also have to, you know, have your mentality right too. You're not trying to go in there and be the savior of a 12 car. You're just trying to put darts on the board, trying to be solid, keep them in the race, give them a shot to win. You're not, uh, you know, you're not chasing time. You're just trying to do do a good job. So. So yeah, you, you take time, you work through a lot of stuff, but you also have to be ready come Sunday. Now, do you wear somebody else's fire suit? I don't know. I think so. I kind of asked that, but yeah, I might have to wear somebody else's fire suit. But you know, the rule is if you have 
somebody else's name on the back of fire suit and you don't have a good day, it's really not your fault. That is true. That's how I've always looked at it. Hey, not I me, wish, man. It was this guy. I wish that would be the case for myself. <laughs> I can't blame it on anybody because I can't. Put get Marty Robbins' name on the car. <laughs> yeah, Marty, not very good. Mm, not very good. But who is but good right now looking at some impact scores? The 18 car has passed the one. Finally, they've been creeping up on them, but they are there. So the 18 car, um, the, the one didn't have a particularly bad day, but the 18 car busted off a couple heaters, and then they wrecked, so they didn't get a full body of work, which has pole vaulted them in front of the one car. The rest of the top five stays the same with the 11, the three, and the nine. The two car is now six. What is considered a heater? Like a nine, like a nine four, nine three, and and hell, I think we saw the 10 car. There was a lot of speed from a lot of different teams. And I think we saw the 10 car, a couple of the storehouse cars bust off some low nines, maybe the nine two, nine one from the 10 car. So have they adopted the new choreography? They have the not. They have not. You're seeing guys be just as fast with Gibbs the, as the Gibbs stop doing a conventional stop. And it's it's really just watching, getting more confident in front of the wheel. The, the, the time is made, you know, with your exchanges and how aggressive you are with hitting your lug nut on. Now, what we're seeing is like these guys that are going, we're seeing more problems too on pit road more wheels coming off on pit road or cars getting dropped with three wheels on them so we saw the 45 have a problem but those guys sold out yeah. on the windshield grabbing the door handle grabbing the damn window yeah. net everything they could possibly do to keep from kurt driving off what happened there did the nut fly out of the gun i didn't really see what so happened yeah there. josh shiplett who's that carrier that jumped on the on the hood he is um he is a long time tire carrier he's been on a lot of good cars and houston stanford who's the was on the left rear of that what what'll happen is the jackman put the left rear on but he didn't get it seated and when houston went back in if it's not seated the nut won't run up so then he turns he feels like it's seated he leaves so he sees houston going back in so he thinks he's good looks to the left front drops it then he looks back and realizes what happened it ain't on there it's not on there and so was it. the nut still in the, in the, the socket? nut was still in the gun trying to run it up but yeah. if the if it's not seated it'll hold it back far enough where it can't catch the threads so it's on the wheel, but the wheel's still on the pins holding yeah. it back, and it won't catch the threads. Mm. So you can't get it started. But as you can see, like what, what happened last week with the 11, the the, the Gibbs teams went back because they practice at Gibbs. All the Toyota teams practice together. They went back, and their coach said, hey, look, if there's a problem, you get on the windshield. Don't let that thing leave. No. And they did it, and the 20 car had the same issue later in the race, and 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 JoJo was on the windshield of that car as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sacrifice your body. To tell yeah. the drivers to stop moving. Yeah. That is hilarious. That, like that. The putting That's yourself, the only way to get it. Like, yeah. Because it is driver instinct. That drag could drop and you could have no tires on it. And you're John Forrest that thing out of the pit box though. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, like you don't yeah. lift like Jack drop. Okay. All done. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't know what's going on. You now, know, if there's somebody thinks, laying on my hood, I probably would think twice about dropping the clutch and dumping it. I'd still seen, do it for a have second. Have you seen the, the video of, Oh, this person's recording going down the road. The dude's riding on the hood of the car. He's like, call the police. Yeah. <laughs> call yeah. the police. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, the, the old thing was like, uh, you know, if the when, if the wedge wrench is going down pit road or if the gas can is going down pit road, you better be attached to it. That was yeah. the old that was the old saying. But, um, but yeah, that, you know, you got to do something to get these guys to stop. The consequences, like we've said all year on here, are, are dire right now. So, and, and you can't afford to lose people. So stop them, get it right, instead of going out there, losing a wheel and losing a lap. So, yeah. And and going on a four-week vacation. And and since, you know, in the last four or five weeks, since we started, we start seeing on our pit box, on the back of our pit box, we get the numbers right away of what everybody's stop was through through NASCAR's times. So since, you know, people start seeing nines, 
and you start chasing time and that's where you know you see more and more mistakes start happening so yeah you got to buckle down and keep your guy in the race that that's um is that do you think that's a benefit to see stops after like see where you rank after every stop it's it's situational and, and it depends on personnel some people see that and they're like oh we gotta go faster some people see that and say oh i gotta get my shit in gear you know but but it's a it's a gift and a curse, right? It could be a really big trap if you use it the wrong way. You're showing us a video of somebody hanging on the hood. It's a gift, yeah. Yeah, it's a, I'm not going to hang on the hood, but I'll try to stop them. Well, we're seeing some woes being nipped in the butt a little bit quicker now. Teams are starting to understand what makes a wheel fall off and what doesn't, which is a good thing because we want to keep these things on, and I don't want anybody to have a vacation because everybody wants to have fun at the racetrack. Yep. So we'll keep the woes to a minimum, and we're going to wish our good buddy – a good morrow on the 12th car for this week and the years and the years and the weeks, the weeks. and the races. Yeah. This means I there's have to 26 be on, of them left. It means I have to be on glass case of emotions now. <coughs> hey, I'm out of here. Hey, <laughs> I'm, <outta> here. <laughs> I'm now a glass holder. But, but if the two car wins a championship, you still get a ring. Yeah, ah, man. I, I think know. everybody gets a ring if you work at Penske. And I don't know you how. Got, yeah. you, you got that 500 win, so I mean, you know, that, that's not. Hey, I'm just worried about Kansas, man. <laughs> Trying to get through Kansas so I can go uh, the All Star race the next week. That's anything, right. anything interesting uh, at Kansas? It, dude, Kansas is a racetrack that tires wear out. It, it has been. I've been. I've been in this exact situation where I got moved up to Blaney's car at Kansas one time when I was younger, and we went there, and he almost won a race. We qualified on the pole um truex ended up winning the race they were in pit stall too we pitted around each other all day it was a dog fight we had a career day on pit road and i think he finished fourth um if it migrates to the top it's one of ryan's best tracks uh we'll see we'll see how the chevys do you know chevys have been really dominant mile and a half but with tire fall off and how they manage the race it could be uh could be a really exciting race where that could turn into a pit competition depending on weather it also could turn into a little bit of strategy yes it could and we'll check it out. Make sure you don't want to miss it. 3 p.m. on FS1 this weekend in Kansas. Try to keep the pit road woes to a minimum. We're going to break down some Kansas stuff right after this. And we're going to Oz this weekend. We're not in Kansas anymore yet, but we will be. Just like old Dorothy. Yeah. Toto, too. Old Toto. We're going to Kansas this week. Um... It has grown into one of my favorite intermediates. I'm not going to lie. When they repaved it, it was notorious for guys slipping and busting their butt. Uh, but now that thing has seasoned to perfection. We're going to have racing all over that track. Depending on weather, it could be a hell of a day, Merriman. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I've said this car was built for intermediate racetracks, right? Like we obviously know there's some work to do with some of the shorter tracks, but this is bread and butter for next gen. You know, is Darlington an intermediate track? I think it is. Not a mile and a half, but whatever. It's I thought the racing was great. Though. Saw a hell of a race. Stage yeah. one, exciting. Stage two, tame. Stage three, fantastic there. I think more of the same is going to come at Kansas. We were texting back and forth about, like, is this really an ice cold take uh, of, of me thinking Kansas could be one hell of an event in terms of the show? Uh, and you agreed with me, whether you want to. Own up to that or not? I'm not going to say it on the show whether the I did show. or not. But I, I did say that, man, if we get some like overcast and some cooler temps and the track allows multiple grooves to be competitive as opposed to if it goes direct sunlight, the dominant groove is going to be on the top. That's just the way it always goes there. But if it's overcast and the bottom's got some grip and then it migrates towards the middle to the top, you could have 
four or five great grooves for re- for restart racing, as well as you're going to have some guys being good at ripping the fence. You're going to have some guys using discipline running the bottom. So I think it could be really good. What's the weather app you say there? 61 low and 80 is the high with, cl- with cloud cover. So cloud cover, Partly you know, cloudy. is super important. Depending on ambient temperature, cloud, cloud cover is really important because that dictates racetrack temperature. For sure, <clears throat> Chuck. Which, if you had to pick one intermediate. One intermediate. Intermediate. Intermediate track to like go to. Yeah. I I, I like yeah, for some reason, I don't know what it is about Kansas. I like Kansas City. I like the town. I like the area and where the track is. I know it's a little bit ways away from some stuff, but they've built up a lot around it. It's a fun place to go to from a spectator standpoint. BB's lawn side. Hey, you like Kansas you, City, yes. Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri? Because it's super confusing. I know. You got the show me state in Missouri. And then you got Kansas City, Kansas, which is, you know, just where uh, all the fun Sometimes barbecue is. That, yeah. They well, got good barbecue, too. Well, who we like? Our past winner this past week and guest of the show, Joey Logano, has three wins there. Do you think that carries over? He hasn't won there since 20, he won there in 2020. Second race there, but our previous two winners, Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson. Do you think it'll be another Kyle finding victory lane this weekend in Kansas? Uh, No. I I don't know. You think, I think it'll be the, you think it'll be that twelve car? Oh, I hope so. That'd be nice. I don't I don't really know. I, mean, I don't it's know hard if to get a tire changer. Maybe though. it could. Where be. were you? I was looking at you for. <laughs> I like this skip. son of a. <laughs> Let me tell I you. I offered you a ride me, home. First off, before we get deeper into this, they just showed me a text message thread where the twelve truck <laughs> was broken down on the way home from Darlington, and I wasn't even in the group chat. He said, "Wheels probably loose." <laughs> Real nice. <laughs> Real nice. But, yeah, I think, a sh- I, man, maybe um, let's do – I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe Daniel Suarez in the 99. Chevys are fast. We'll see where they go. I like uh, Cousin Kurt. A shocker. Um, do you? No, well, not really. But I, I <laughs> <laughs> figured I always take Kurt Bush, but, you know, I, I don't dislike that pick, but I, I do my knee-jerk reaction on Sunday in Darlington of saying the 24 uh, at Darlington. I like that pick there. I also like William Byron this weekend at Kansas. I think he can compartmentalize what happened in Darlington and go out there. And Dude, who would have thought he'd be the strongest Hendrick car right now? Cop Petty. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's been having his eggs in William's basket for a couple years now. Well, Willie B's got some confidence, though. My man's rocking and rolling. Yeah. Wait, what do you got? <laughs> Kyle Petty also Screw said you, that hey, Kyle Petty also said that Joey was a new Dale Earnhardt. So he's, I did he's see a lot of stuff. I did see that he said he, he said was, that. Yeah, he said hey, he's a lot like Earnhardt. Hey. Oh, you got long hair, Kyle Petty. Maybe had you're long the new hair. Kyle Petty. Are you the new? Yeah, you Kyle, Kyle Petty's Petty. dad was a champ. Your dad was a champ. Neither one of us are a champ. So <laughs> maybe I am. Who knew? Kyle um, Petty's got the best Darlington quote of all time, by the way. Wish you'd fill it up, fill it up and, and race the, boats in it. Yeah, well, <laughs> have bass fishing tournaments. Yeah. Uh, Stadium bass fishing. Yeah. Oh man. I heard people I heard a lot of people saying that about Dover last week. I don't know, dude. I Dover's good. You gotta you gotta pack your lunch when you go there. It makes it definitely separates the men from the boys. Faux show. We're gonna separate the men from the boys too this week. Headed to Kansas, see who's the best of the rest, but y'all won't know what time it is. It is time for some penny for your thoughts. Jane! What do we got? All right, Janie, we've got a couple good ones this week. What do we got? Our first one asks, why did Tyler not drive harder for the win after the contact? 
That is the dumbest question I've ever heard. Easy on old Darren wow. Willett. Darren Willett. Don't, uh, don't why, like, make it easy. Do you think he used that to listen Tyler, to the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Uh, <laughs> does he not think that Tyler Reddick was doing everything he could to get there? Like, you I are maybe he watched on. the Bristol race. Merriman doesn't think he was. Maybe really? not. But my man, like, you are sliding around trying to find every ounce of grip on the racetrack. Like, and didn't I not see the eight stick it like Kyle Larson style on the outside wall the last lap? I don't know. He was, he was. He was pushing pretty hard. Yeah, well, like I thought he hit the fence on the last laps. So like he probably lost some ground with the twenty-four wreck because the twenty-four was wrecking. So you have to like check up and figure out where he's. You have to lift, watch where he's going, then pick a lane. It's not like they do it in Days of Thunder. So realistic. Why did Tyler not drive harder? Next question. <laughs> this guy. Skip that one. Um, the next one says, "Is there space behind the front tires that allows brake dust buildup? Is that a fire hazard?" That's a you question. Uh, so the brake dust will build up in the barrel of the wheel and spin in there. Um, it's not like necessary like a pocket, um, but it'll just build up in the wheel. It's but less. The, the it's tire less so rubber now. The tire rubber builds up. There's a that. lot of tire rubber that builds up inside the wheel now too because the wheel's deeper. Uh, it's more offset. But I don't know that it's a fire hazard. I think when you see fire more like fire in the wheels like that, it's more either. They blew a tire and some of the carcass got wrapped around the hub and burnt the bearing up. Um, but I don't and, – and you will see, like on green flag stops, there will be, you know, rubber that is on fire when you take the wheel off. But I wouldn't say that, that the brake dust is a fire hazard at all. There you go. Next question from Dustin Worthy. Dustin wants to know, for drivers that are in low-tier teams with subpar equipment, how do you get noticed or offers from bigger teams? What is looked at other than finishing position? Well, first, I can just point out, like, there is no subpar equipment anymore, right? Because, like, everybody's fighting with the same parts and pieces. So there is no lesser than, like, there. I had the same left-side lower control arms that, the 22 does right we have the, all the same parts and pieces it's just the matter of which you assemble them is so important now like you're trying to find literally pennies all over the car of shock rebound and bleed and just rear sway bar ratios i mean like the box to set the car up now is bigger than it was as we saw look at joey right joey did not forget how to drive last week at dover when he ran 25th all day that's because Penske just didn't have a great setup. The 12 didn't run great. The 22 certainly didn't run great. And then you tweak on it a little bit and you go to Darlington and you have a dominant car qualify on the pole and win the race. So I think that's what's tough is for a smaller team, the technology you have to try to pinpoint what that perfect setup is, is way harder to hit. And there's even big teams that can't hit it right now. So the smaller teams with very limited resources such as mine – we're trying to pin the tail on a donkey, but we don't even know where the donkey's at. And there's some weekends like that. Some weeks we can hit it, get a little lucky. Some weeks are tougher than others. But, yeah, it, the Cup Series is as hard as it's ever been. We talked to Jeff Burton on Sirius XM Radio this week, and he's like, dude, I, he legitimately said, I don't know if I could have been successful in today's racing because he wasn't a good qualifier, so it's, hard to pass. it's harder to pass now than it's ever been. And the aggression level that you have to have as a driver is more than it's ever been. So that was an interesting take he had, and I'm, I wonder if I could get him on the show to really explain that better because he has a great way of talking about it. But yeah, sub, I I don't have subpar equipment. I've got 
good parts and pieces and the latest and greatest stuff. We're just trying to figure out exactly how to make the most amount of grip with these next gen cars. And it is, there's a bunch of smart people at all the other places in addition to mine that are trying to do the same thing. So it is not easy. I think that's the confusion that maybe like Darren's going to have. Why didn't Tyler just drive harder? If everybody's got the same equipment, why aren't you just as good? Why aren't you up there with the leader? Yeah. Cause like the, the, narrative of everybody has the same car is not like nobody's setup is the same. Everybody's wedged a little different left for spring. Like there are so many variables that go into making the car drive good. There's also a lot of factors that go into making it drive bad. Um, and a bad driving next gen car seems to be further out to lunch than the previous car is because with the old car, it'd be like, all right, let's put, let's take our biggest downforce car and we're going to put a 300 and a 1200 in the back full truck arm split with a nine inch left side track bar height and we're going to be pretty damn good. Now, do you go like position three on the rear sway bar? Do we go position five on the rear sway bar? Do you time them a little bit different? Do you go with 54% wedge? Do you get the nose down? Do you like, there are, if there was 80 adjustments for overall speed with the previous car, there's 300 adjustments with this one. And it's harder to figure out uh, what exactly makes those things go because it's easy to make them um, run just good enough, but those bigger teams are figuring out how to make them go even better. I don't know much about sim, but with all of these adjustments, anything that you would do to the car, can you put that in on the sim? And when you write, like you would be able to learn that. Yeah. Now it's also up to how much weight and value and how practical or realistic you think your simulation is, which goes back to tire validation and all the stuff that goes along with that. But you know, it's essentially a, a practice session where you can rule out different packages. Like they can go through four or five different setups and they can find one that they feel like the best and they continue to hone on that and get, you know, the fine tuned details to where they would, if they would change things over the course of practice in the race, they can knock out all those changes before they even get to the racetrack and get that much closer to where they want to be towards the end of the race. But that, that actually didn't even answer my man's question. How do you get noticed or offers from bigger teams? Money. Being able <laughs> to understand all the different adjustments and stuff like that. That well. certainly helps. Uh, but there's so many factors go into it, dude. It's so political. Why, why is Kyle Bush about the? Why could Kyle Bush possibly lose his ride? Because he doesn't have a. Because what he values. He doesn't his have time a sponsor. Is, yeah, because right? what he that values his time. What he values, or he thinks driving a cup car is worth was during the time where he had M&Ms paying the team fit $25 million. And when you lose that big ticket item, the team is going to have to figure out how to make that up somewhere and that's the stalemate that they're in right now. So But drivers have to have funding. Like that is part of the game. It's definitely it definitely it's helps It's not your a case. sexy thing to talk about, but but drivers, you know, they they also have to be able to have funding, have to be able to find funding and and bring that to the table to uh in order to get an opportunity. Not that, a sexy thing to talk about, but it it's, it is. It's real. It is real, and there's really and truly any any driver that's in conversations to go anywhere has some sort of funding to go along with it. Whether or not that's the case that pushes across a line may or may not be the case, but there is certainly that is certainly a talking point when you're having those conversations with teams for sure. That's it. That's all I got. That's what I got. Good job, guys. Send some more stuff in on Twitter hashtag Penny for your thoughts, and we'll get some more next week. Penny Stacker of the Week. Man, there were so many. I'd want to nail it down to just one. It's just everybody who was wearing some the Joy merch who came out to see us at Trackside Live Stage who just had some fun with us at Darlington Raceway. Or 
It could have been the cashier who kept the old Cloud Farms place open and gave me my peach enchilada with vanilla ice cream to soak in my Corey sorrows could, on the way back. On the way home from Saturday. So we work with the same nutritionist and we always try to not try to eat okay. He does better than I do, but he's like, I stopped and I was going to get a peach enchilada, but I talked myself out of it. The first day. The on first, Saturday. This is on Saturday driving home. I talked myself out. We were just in conversation. Well, then the next day during the race. Hang on, hang on. Stop, stop right there. So, yes, I was standing in line to get vanilla ice cream and a peach enchilada. And I was like, nope, can't do it. Well, looked over, looked at the produce. I was walking around a second, walked back to the peach enchiladas for another second. Uh, got back in line. No, I can't do it. Ended up walking out with a, can- a carton of strawberries and finished a carton of strawberries on the way back. Felt like I got a win for the day. Fast forward to Sunday. The next day, when we're talking about coping mechanisms, he wrecked. He's driving home. He says, I'm getting a fucking peach enchilada. (laughs) (laughs) I did. But no, I was like, I was ever like, I said, the only thing that fixed my mood right now, you asked earlier how I cope with certain things, a peach enchilada and vanilla ice cream. That's a good coping mechanism. But I was worried because like sometimes it closes a little early on Sunday. So I called him. It was like 620. I said, Hey, what time y'all close? Because on the website it says 6.30 and I'm like 20 minutes away. Well, we close at 6.30. I said, can you please, for the love of God, stay open for another 22 minutes till I get there? Did you tell them what happened? No. Oh. No, but they saw my get up. I was wearing like a, I don't know, collared shirt with like Spire Motorsports on it. And they asked what time the race got over so they could all leave before the race traffic got. (laughs) So... To that being said, the cashier at McLeod Farms is the penny stacker of the week for staying open an extra 12 minutes and giving me my peach enchilada. In addition to all the friend, all the fans, but nobody perked up my mood quite like that cashier and that peach enchilada. <laughs> Millions of peaches. Millions of peaches. And what I need some more millions of is some votes for the All-Star Race, Chuck, because I saw a little tweet, little email with my name on it. I am one of the 10 people in the top 10 voting. Yeah. There's probably only 10 people on the list, so I appreciate the gesture that I'm in the top 10. But top 10 is not good enough. I need your help, guys. I need a little bump into the All-Star Race. I'm going to do what I can for you in the open, but I would really appreciate if you could help me out as well. I will do my due diligence on the racetrack, but you have to do your due diligence on the interweb. And you go, you find my face, you find my hair, and you click vote. Vote my ass in the All-Star Race. I would greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate you for listening to Stacking Pennies. Each and every week, five stars, like, review, all the stuff. Chuck. I was going to say, where do fans go to vote? I don't know. NASCAR.com forward slash fan vote. And voting closes on May 20th at 12 p.m. Eastern. Please. Vote once a day. I don't want to beg. Every day between now and then. Keep swiping. But I'll bet. I'll bet. Swipe right on Corey. All right. That's all I got. We got in some good stuff today, guys. Appreciate your input very much, except for Merriman's. Um, and you're going to appreciate some more stuff, more content for us. We'll get a little spare change for you before the race on Sunday. So make sure you check that out. We're going to break down a little heads or tails. Who is going to beat who at Kansas? So as always, we appreciate you all hanging out with us and stacking pennies. <laughs>